Have you ever wanted to play the perfect tabletop game where story beats run smoothly and there's no awkward pauses between dice rolls? Yeah, me too. But since that's impossible, I did the next best thing and novelized my Witcher tabletop game to showcase the story in its cleanest form. The result is this podcast. I'm Jacob Gerstel, and this is Tales from the Witcher. Part audiobook, part actual play, part serialized adventure, and a whole new way to vicariously enjoy tabletop games. Welcome to the world of The Witcher, where monsters roam freely and the continent is once again at war. If you were hoping to follow the plight of Gale to Rivia, however, I'm not going to be doing that. Instead, I offer you the story of a not-so-merry band of degenerates who are making their way across the continent. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Sense of Calm 9. He was witnessing, as far as he knew, an entirely new disease. As the doctor feared, Agnes's symptoms returned shortly after Brother Morgan's intervention, and with a vengeance. She was covered in sweat, and puking and shitting out any food and water she was given. Her swollen lymph nodes had not gone down, and her convulsions had only gotten stronger. Carmignola had ordered his assistants to move every patient they could, to recover in their own tent if possible. Only the most seriously injured remained, those that could not be left unsupervised, seven patients in all. Carmignola did not want to leave Agnes's side, so he also sent one of the assistants to find Brother Morgan, but no matter how long they looked, they could not find the cleric. If this thing's infectious, we're all dead, Carmignola thought, but there was no sense in creating a panic about it. He looked to his remaining patients, huddled as far away from Agnes as possible, wide-eyed and trembling. Carmignola understood their fear. He was afraid himself, but knowledge was the best way to fight fear, he knew, so he wrote down everything he could and resolved to see the old woman's sickness through. Carmignola! The doctor turned to see Jeremiah running towards him. He rushed towards the craftsman and said, I wouldn't get any closer if I were you. It might be dangerous. You're in the right mindset, at least. We need to go, doctor. Now. Carmignola tilted his head. What? I thought you told us we may be here a whole week. It's not even been two days. I did, but things changed quickly. Brother Morgan wants us gone, and it's wiser to leave before we overstay our welcome. You son of a bitch, what did you do now? Carmignola couldn't help but think. He didn't know why he was still surprised at the constant danger they were put in, but he was. Jeremiah, I can't just leave. There are patients here who need care. We can't stay. Ethramel is already waiting for us outside of the camp. Anger flared up, and Carmignola made no attempt to hide it. He crossed his arms and said, No! What is there to gain in riding from town to town without resting? Why are we in such a rush to confront this gutter rebellion in the Pontar Valley? By the gods, these people need help, Jeremiah. Jeremiah eyed the infirmary behind Carmignola. They'll get by without us. Refugees always do. They're a resourceful lot. I'm not going. Perhaps I didn't make myself clear. Jeremiah's voice fell to a low register. If we stay here, we will die. Brother Morgan believes we're all sinners, and will likely try to burn anyone who remains here at the stake. You can stay if you wish, but the rest of us are leaving right now. 
I suggest you make your choice quickly. You've all done nothing but bring me misery, Carmagnola thought, but it wasn't the first time he had to leave a town unexpectedly, and he suspected it wouldn't be his last. Carmagnola heard the fear in Jeremiah's voice, and knew from first-hand experience that Brother Morgan was delusional enough to burn someone at the stake, and influential enough to do it. He glanced back at Agnes. She likely wouldn't survive without his help, but the doctor knew he would be of no use to anyone if he died at the hands of religious fanatics. In truth, he didn't have a choice at all. All right, gods damn you. Carmagnola threw his arms up. Give me ten minutes at least. I'll meet you outside of the camp. Make it five if you can, Jeremiah said. He turned around to run off, but not before adding, Don't dawdle, doctor. That's all we've been doing, Carmagnola thought. Just four wanderers grasping for purpose. I doubt we'll find it at this rate. Carmagnola walked back towards the infirmary, wondering if he would ever regain a sense of peace again. 10. The boy looked upset at what the witcher said, and started shouting at him. But you just got here! I and now I have to leave. Zeva would listen to Jeremiah's frantic plea calmly, nodded, and said it was best for them to depart Tarnow. This was nothing new for Zevo, who had to regularly flee towns before he got killed for being a mutant. Strangely, though, the Witcher felt the need to say goodbye to Remy, so he told Jeremiah he would meet him, Ethramel, and Carmagnola in ten minutes. Jeremiah said to make it five, and ran off. Zevo stalked through camp quickly, suddenly aware of all the hateful expressions he attracted. He had found Remy, and told him that he had to leave. What about the monster in the woods? You haven't killed it yet. There is no monster in the woods. There is! I swear there is! Remy, listen to me. Why should I, if you're just going to abandon us? I thought witchers were supposed to help people. There's a monster in the woods, and I'm going to prove it. Before Zevo could protest, Remy sprinted towards the forest. The witcher stood up to follow the boy, but he heard raised voices behind him. He turned to see a cluster of refugees near Brother Morgan's tent. The cleric was animatedly speaking to them, and most were nodding in agreement. Time to go, Zevo thought. He looked back at Remy, crossing the plains. He would be fine. There was no monster in the woods, after all. It was just something a lonely boy made up. Zevo sighed and ran to the outskirts of the camp, where Jeremiah, Ethramel, and Carmagnola were waiting. About damn time, Jeremiah said. He threw Diablo's reins to Zevo. The witcher took them and got on his horse. Brother Morgan's riling up the townsfolk, he said. Best not to look back. Then what are we waiting for? the craftsman asked. Ethramel was looking up at the sky, and Carmagnola was looking back at the camp. Jeremiah sighed and rode on. Zevo and the others followed. They rode across the plains, keeping a fair distance from the forest. They would likely travel through that forest once there was daylight, but in the dark, it was safer to ride along flat ground, even with an angry mob potentially giving chase. Still, Zevo found himself staring at the forest, and thinking about Remy. The boy would be safe from imaginary monsters, sure, but Zevo had smelled wolves in those woods, or the damned fool might trip over a root and break his neck. Let it go, the witcher told himself. It's not your concern anymore. Zevo spat, cursed, and rode towards the forest. Where the plow in hell are you going? Jeremiah shouted. I need to take care of something, Zevo shouted back. Keep riding, I'll catch up. Jeremiah cursed, but rode on. Ethramel and Carmagnola followed. 
Zevo had no difficulty maneuvering Diablo through the forest at night. His cat-like eye let him see in the dark, after all. Just one byproduct of being subjected to the trial of the grasses. It did not take him long to reach the clearing he and Remy waited at for the last two days. The boy sat on his low-hanging branch, head in his hands, sobbing. Zevo dismounted and sat down next to Remy. He let the boy cry it out. Finally, he wiped his nose and said, There is no monster. I made it up. I know. I just don't understand why you have to leave so soon. This is what all the witchers do in your books, Remy. They show up, stay for a while, then leave. The path is calling. Then take me with you. Tears were in the boy's eyes. There's nothing for me here, and I'm still young enough to become a witcher. Zevo opened his mouth to say that wasn't possible, but he turned his head sharply when he heard someone deeper in the forest shout, Help! Please help! Remy looked up at the witcher with wide, watery eyes. That sounds like the cobbler. He really did disappear a few days ago. I thought he just ran away, but if he... Help! Me, please! Remy hopped off the branch, but Zevo grabbed him. He handed the boy Diablo's reins and growled, Stay here. Don't follow me under any circumstances. If I don't return in fifteen minutes, run back to camp. Do you understand? Remy took the reins with shaking hands and nodded. Good. Zevo stalked into the forest, towards the voice. Something wasn't right. The cobbler's voice sounded... off. Somewhat jerky, as if he was just learning to speak. The witcher hoped the cobbler just hit his head and was only now an earshot, but he wouldn't have bet on it. I need... help. Please help me. Zevo drew his silver sword and paused. He smelled human just up ahead, but there was something off about it. He narrowed his eye and saw a pale man sitting on a fallen log, shirt and pants ripped, arms resting on his legs, head bowed low. The man did not move except for his jaw, which slowly rose up and down like a marionette's, as he spoke in a jaunted tone. I need help. The witcher tossed his silver sword into his left hand, and held his right hand out. He bent his index finger in, and summoned up his power to make the sign of Igni. A stream of sparks shot from his hand, directly at the man sitting on the log. Light flooded into the world, but the fire did not reach the cobbler. Instead, it caught on an octagonal spider's web, suspended between two trees in front of the pale man, webwork so fine that it was impossible to see. The flames licked hungrily up the strands, until the entire web was aflame and collapsed. This was followed by a guttural shriek, and by the light of the fire, Zevo saw the creature behind the man. It looked, at first glance, like a large, upright spider, bigger than the witcher, but it only had six muscular legs each with a sharpened claw at the end. The creature had many large, red, round eyes on its bulbous head, but they were placed without symmetry, seemingly at random. The creature was covered in fine black fur, and would have been completely invisible if not for the flames. This was partially due to the darkness, but mostly because this monster, as Zevo knew from his books, was masterful at weaving light, or lack thereof, into illusions. It was a Guvarog, an exceedingly rare and solitary monster, so rare, in fact, that Zevo had never seen one before. But he knew what it was, because instead of having mandibles like an ordinary spider, the Guvarog had a ring of small, white fangs in its circular mouth, and latched firmly inside of its mouth was the head of the cobbler, 
whose body hung limply in front of the monster like a rag doll. This allowed the Guvarog to control the body like a puppet, and use its voice to lure prey into its webs. Just my luck, Zevo thought. The fire began to die, and the creature started to scamper up a tree. Zevo had also read that Guvarogs were incredibly skittish, and often ran away when given half the chance. The Witcher, of course, couldn't let that happen. No, you don't, he shouted, again making the sign of Igni and shooting a stream of fire directly at the Guvarog. The sparks caught on the monster's fur and set it alight. The Guvarog shrieked and unhinged his mouth, dropping the poor cobbler, who flopped bonelessly to the ground. Zevo kept the sign of Igni up and slowly closed the gap between him and the Guvarog. The creature lost its balance and dropped from the tree, landing on its side. It caught a face full of sparks as it tried to stand up, and swiped one of its meaty legs at the Witcher. He swung his silver sword and chopped the claw off its leg. Black ichor oozed from the wound. Zevo continued moving closer, feeling the power drain away. He just needed to keep Igni up a little more. Then he could... The Guvarog crouched down to leap away, but the Witcher swung his sword directly at its head. Once, twice, thrice. The fourth blow killed the creature, and it collapsed into a heap, its body twitching and mouth clacking. Still, Zevo did not let up the sign of Igni. He wanted the monster good and burned, not a trace of it left, in case curious eyes came across it and couldn't unsee the horrifying sight. By the time he was satisfied that the Guvarog and the Cobbler were nothing more than burned lumps, Zevo was out of breath, covered in sweat, and smelled of charred horse meat. But at least the job was done. And it didn't even pay, he grumbled to himself as he shambled back to Remy. The boy ran to the Witcher the moment he saw him. I heard shrieks and fighting, he said breathlessly. There was a monster, wasn't there? What was it? Zevo steadied himself against a tree and caught his breath. He had used up too much power burning the Guvarog. He was afraid his legs would collapse from under him, but he had to keep his dignity in front of the boy. So he simply grunted and said, Aye, but it's gone now. What was it? Doesn't matter. It's gone now. Come on, I have to see it. No. Zevo stepped in front of Remy. He was afraid the boy would sprint away, and he wouldn't have enough energy to catch him. Fortunately, Remy stayed where he was, with a pout on his face. Tears once again sprang into Remy's eyes. That's not fair. I hoped you killed the monster, and you won't even let me see it. And now you're really going to leave, because there's no more work. How is that fair? Zevo got onto one knee and patted Remy on the shoulder. He spoke surprisingly gently. Monsters are not something you go towards, Remy. Even witchers don't go towards them, unless they have to. We spend a hundred years wandering the roads until a monster kills us, and then the people we were trying to protect spit on our corpse, and won't pay the next witcher who stumbles in because they already paid the last one. That's not a life for anyone, Remy. You're smart, and you can read. You can make something of your life. Don't throw that all away, because things are difficult now. Remy wiped the tears away. You can let me go with you. I could take care of myself, you know. I know. And you'll still end up dead in a ditch if you come with me. But tell you what. Zevo reached into his cloak and pulled out a small sack of coins. I've been carrying around too much gold recently. It's been slowing me down. I got my face sliced up because I was too slow. I want you to take it. Buy some books if you can, and get out of this town once you're grown enough. Maybe we'll meet again on the road. Remy took the coins, 
and started sobbing again. Zevo stood up with a grunt. He patted the boy on the head. Let's head back towards the camp. As they walked through the forest, Zevo wondered if he managed to convince Remy that a witcher's life wasn't for everyone, and that there was a reason no one chooses it willingly. I certainly wouldn't have if I had a choice, the witcher thought. But, of course, he didn't have a choice. No child of surprise ever had a say in the matter. But some things, Zevo decided, were beyond his control. If the boy continued to idolize witchers after he was gone, that was his choice. That thought, strangely enough, provided Zevo a sense of calm. They reached the edge of the forest, and Zevo told Remy he would watch him from the trees to make sure he got back to camp. Remy nodded and hugged the witcher. Goodbye, Zevo. I'll never forget you. Don't die, Remy. That was the last thing Zevo said to the boy. The witcher caught up with his companions an hour later, after following their tracks. Jeremiah rubbed his brow when he saw Zevo approach. And where in the hell did you ride off to? And why are you grinning? Zevo found that he was, indeed, smiling. This was surprising to the witcher. He felt dead tired, after all. Just got chased out of another town, and badly needed a bath. I don't know, he said, and meant it. That'll do it for this episode of Tales from the Witcher. This podcast is written and produced by Jacob Gerstel. The Witcher novels are by Andrzej Zipkowski, The Witcher games are by CD Projekt Red, and The Witcher tabletop RPG is by R. Talsorian Games. The music is by Eric Matias at soundimage.org. Be sure to leave a rating and a review, and to spread the word of this podcast far and wide. You can follow the podcast at Tales Witcher Pod on X or at talesfromthewitcher.buzzsprout.com. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you again next week.